welcome to People with Purpose. So many people are looking for meaning, but they don't know where to start. Imagine a world where everyone could just get their purpose out of them and then actually make it happen. I'm David Roberts, and I believe that we all have a purpose, and with focus and a little help, people with purpose make a difference. And this show is where these stories come to life. Welcome to People with Purpose. Today I'm joined by uh, Sophia Botchway, and this is the second coming of Sophia. Uh, Sophia's been on the podcast before in episode uh, 128, and uh, there was such a a great reaction to to the conversation uh, that we had, uh, and uh, you know potential opportunities came out of it for Sophia as well. Uh, So so we agreed we would get together for another uh, conversation and perhaps dig um, a little deeper. So, uh, Sophia, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, David. It's great to be back a second time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. And so, um, so, so, so as a, by way of a recap then, um, wh- wh- why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and, um, and what you're working on at the moment? Well, David, as before, nothing has changed since then. Um, I'm an accountant by profession, but I'm also a property investor. I currently live in a little village in Chennai called Oxfordshire, um, which I suppose Oxfordshire is not so little, but compared to somewhere like London, Birmingham or Manchester, it is still relatively quite small. My village I live in has only got a population of seven and a half thousand. I've been here 12, 12, 13 years now, and I absolutely love Chennai. So it's more, more or less, I would say, almost my forever area. absolutely love it here. My business is based here. But I didn't actually um, grow up in Oxfordshire. I grew up in West London, in Hammersmith to be precise. I went to school in Hammersmith um, and I lived there till I was 16 before my parents moved to South London in Streatham, where I stayed until I then went to college and then university. Um, and I fell into Oxfordshire by accident really, because my brother went to Oxford University. And when I was looking to come out of London, I look at Cambridge at first to find a house. But then he kind of convinced me that Oxfordshire is the place to be. So I moved out of London to another Oxfordshire town called Didcot um, back in 2001. And I stayed there for another 11 years. And I realised that Oxfordshire is my home. I love it. But um, did got start getting too busy, too noisy, and I knew it was time to move on. And I accidentally fell in love with China, really. Um, I found it by accident. <laughs> Everything in my life is by accident. <laughs> I found it by accident. I came to a beer festival here while visiting some friends in Tame four um, miles away from China. And while here, I just literally fell in love with the, the little village. The people were nice, friendly. The place was clean and tidy. And I thought, wow, it's only four miles from Tame and it's only 35 minutes to London where I could still visit my, my parents. Um, and it's still in Oxfordshire. So, yes, I decided to move here. Cool. And that's been 12 years now. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and and I, and I 
I've been there and it's a lovely place. It's great. Uh, it, it doesn't exactly it doesn't exactly strike you as the kind of the the, the beating heart of the entrepreneurial um, epicenter um, of 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 the UK, though. So uh, so, but you, but you seem to be uh, turning that kind of energy out of the place, uh, regardless. Uh, how how do you manage to do that? <laughs> I suppose because um, Chinnery is in Oxfordshire, it's right in the cusp of Oxfordshire and Buckinghamshire. And Oxfordshire is known for academic um, business, and so does Buckinghamshire in a way. Mm -hmm. So China kind of fits nicely in the middle of the two. Um, and because it's small enough, it means that you get to know most people. And once you get to know most people, they they support you in what you're doing. Um, it's come to a point where if someone mentioned in any group about they're looking for property or accountancy support, my name always comes up. So I'm getting to know people. I love I love being around in China. And yeah, I'm really finding my feet and finding more clients being here because there's not much competition as mm. well. You know, there's not much competition. Yeah, yeah. China's got a lot to offer. It really has. Yeah. Cool. From, from the environment, um, the fact that it's part of the Chilterns, um area of outstanding natural beauty, um, but yet it's so close to getting to London or getting to the to the north. Mm. I mean, it's got a lot going for it. Yeah, 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 and it's a good it's a good part of the country because because um, my because my my mother in law lives very near there, so it must be pretty good because because uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's so that's uh, that's a good endorsement if ever there was one. So so um so yeah, so last time we spoke, we talked about um we talked about you almost becoming an, an entrepreneur by accident as well, and uh, so uh, you know, and you mentioned about uh, you know accidentally ending up in 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 in, in China as well, uh, so. I guess, you know, I'm interested in whether you think things really do happen by accident or whether there's threads or themes in your life story that lead you to um, this place now where, you know, you're, you're living somewhere that you love, uh, you've got multiple businesses that you love. Um, it doesn't all just happen by accident, really, does it? I think I think things are kind of planned for us without us realizing it. Um, and so I do believe that things do happen by accident. I mean, for, ex for example, I've been in property for nine and a half years, nine, nine years now my, since my property company started. And I thought I know most things that happens in the property industry, but yet I never knew about progressive which are UK's biggest property training company, which is kind of really bizarre. Um, and since I found Progressive in 2020, um, my property journey is really escalated enormously, enormously. But I feel it was the right time for me to have found him because if I found him earlier on, let's say nine years ago or 10 years ago, even 15 years ago when they first started, I wasn't in the right frame of mind or the right place to be able to do anything on this level. Mm. I had commitments with my son's medical needs and regular hospitals and so forth. So my, my plate was literally full. Mm. So I wouldn't have done 
progress the way I would have liked to if I found him then. But suddenly out of the blue, when I'm ready to move forward to grow my property company, Progressive came to the forefront. Mm. And I can't believe they've been going for 18 years, almost 18 years, and I never knew about them. So I think it wasn't the right time. This is what makes me believe that things happen for a reason yeah. or happen for, by accident. I mean, for a reason, but I call it by accident. Yeah. It was the right time. Everything in, in its place at the right time. Mm-hmm. Even me finding China, for example, um, when I decided to move out of Ditko, I was actually moving to Tame. And the house we were getting fell through. And I only came to have some beers in China at the beer festival. You know, this place, which is only four miles away from where I was looking for a property, was right on my nose. I didn't even see it. Yeah. But it was meant to be. Yeah. That's really interesting. Because I guess that the fact that things happen by accident, it, it almost it's almost a bit like, okay, so 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 feeling lucky, you know, um, and having those those moments of 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 luck. Um what do you think creates those lucky moments, those serendipitous moments that that bring people and places together or um well, yeah, people and people together to create yeah. something brilliant. You see, there's a difference between by accident and by luck. I don't believe in luck because, you know, my my taking on what luck is, learning under control knowledge. Mm-hmm. You have to create, you have to create luck. You have to put in the effort, you have to put in the work to get the luck. As, um, I can't remember who it was, but a sport, one sports person say, it's really funny. The more he practices, the luckier he gets. So that's different. You know, there's no such thing as luck as far as I know. By, by accident is something happens to get you into a place or to do a certain thing and you didn't know why you've done it hmm. or why it happened that it didn't happen before. So that's that's a difference, my different taking on on by accident and by luck. Mm. I don't actually believe in luck. Luck, you have to put in the work. You have to make a conscious decision to do something. Yeah. I mean, for example, um, after I, I, I think I talked about in the last um, podcast, the first ep- episode that we did, and I was saying that I, I was listening to your health episode, which was really mind-blowing and eye-opening for me. And I started to take on board everything you said about looking after your health and so forth. And I decided to consciously start looking after my health, Hmm. eating better, making time to exercise every day, um, drinking more water and so forth. And I've lost 20 pounds since then. Wow. Brilliant. That was, that was the luck by putting in the work. Yeah. 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 So that wasn't, that wasn't by accident. I made a conscious decision to do the work and some people would say now, would now say, oh my goodness, you're so lucky. You lost the weight so easily. No, I didn't lose the work so the weight so easily. I'm not lucky. I put in the work yeah. to lose the weight. Yeah. And people don't see the work that goes in behind the scenes, do they? They just see the results. No, they and, don't. Yeah. Yeah. I have another saying that I have, which my clients always laugh at me, is that nobody sees the hard work. They only see the end result and call you lucky. Mm. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. There's no luck 
it's all to do with the work, the effort you put into it. Yeah. I suppose I found progressive in a way by accident. But since then, I've been pulling in the work to get the deals. I go to viewings. I make contact with investors. I call agents. I put in the work and I build a substantial portfolio in a very short time. Whereas the same people I went training with um, when we found progressive are not really putting in the work. Mm. And yet they're saying, oh, you're so lucky. You keep getting deals. No, I'm not getting deals because I'm so lucky. I'm getting deals because I'm phoning agents. I'm making the appointments. I'm doing 15 viewings a week. I'm speaking to investors. Whereas you're saying you're busy and therefore you're not doing that. Hmm. You can do that as well if you want to. I'm choosing to go and do viewings rather than sit there and watch TV for three hours. Hmm. You know, I'm choosing to do viewings rather than just flicking through social media, for example, for three hours. It's the effort that you put in. Yeah. Another take on on luck. And by the way, congratulations, congratulations on 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 all those things. That that sounds brilliant, uh, especially uh, you know, well, not especially, but yeah, the health the health side of things sounds great because that you. is that is that is hard. It is it is a challenge, especially because because what what you're doing a lot of times with with that kind of thing is is it is creating a new habit, and actually. Yeah. People create habits for themselves incredibly easily, uh, mm. but they're quite often they're the ones that you don't want to have. So, <laughs> so actually, the effort to change a habit is actually yeah. is actually can be pretty intense. And yeah. so, every day there's an opportunity to give up, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Some days I'm like, oh, I really don't want to do this, mm. and then I think, no, it's for your health. It's really important. Go mm. and do this. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. No, good. And yeah, well done. And and putting the effort in on the um, on the property side of things as well. I think uh, there's a bit about energy and a bit about effort, but also uh, another. Um, so the so the thing about the, the, the more I practice, the luckier I get. I yeah. think that's Gary Player, the golfer. I think. Okay. Um, and um, uh, uh, but we'll do the get the fact checkers on that for us. Um, and uh, and then and then another take on luck I've heard is. Is about is is from Simon Squibb, who's talked about who's who's again, again on, from the entrepreneurial world, who's mm. who talk, who talks about luck from the point of view of risk. So mm. by taking a risk, that's how you create what appear to be lucky outcomes because you've you've taken a risk. It doesn't just happen by chance, if you like. Yeah. What's your view on that? I totally agree. I totally agree on that as well. That is about taking a risk um, and letting go of something which is easy and comfort comfortable. I mean, for example, when I decided to leave my job to start my start the business, um, again, most people would think it's silly of me because I had a I had a government job. I was a civil servant. Um, I worked. I, I was an auditor. I had a good job. I traveled around and so forth, but it wasn't suitable for the position I was in at the time with my son's medical needs, where he needs to be go to hospital regularly. I couldn't travel away from home um, for weeks on end, and then while he needs to, to to be in hospital, I need to be there. 
So when I decided to that that wasn't working and I'm going to work for myself, people think I was crazy. It was it was too risky. You're risking your pension. You're risking regular salary. You're risking you know the comfort of having a paycheck every single month. Yeah. What about if it doesn't work out? What about how are you going to pay your bills? How are you going to pay your mortgage? I had all of those questions from people, you know, but I just decided I need to do this for my son. So I'm going to take the chance. I just need a little bit of money to keep us going as long as he's okay. And that's what I did. I took the chance. I took the risk, but that risk totally paid off because obviously I now have not only just one company, but several and with really excellent staffs supporting me, I've created jobs for other people. If I've stayed in my my job, my government job, and didn't take the risk, I wouldn't have created what I have. I pay thousands of pounds in tax to the to HMRC. I'm co- really contributing to, you know, the community and society, and I'm helping other people as well. Mm. I'm helping people create their own passive income, their own wealth, as well as I'm. You know, supply and employment for my local community. Literally, all my staff live in China, apart from one. Mm. They all live in China, so I'm bringing, you know, work to China as well. I'm helping people in the, in the community. So yeah, I totally agree. It's about taking that risk as well. Yeah, and and if you're if you're taking a risk, you're actually doing something. So the two, the two kind of tie in together, don't they? In a way, because of the effort and and the risk element sort of tied together, because both of them involve activity. But I guess, you know, it's um it, it's possible to to take less risks, uh, uh, and 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 create good fortune without, um. You know, and create create good fortune as as long as you're putting the effort in, I guess. Uh, but um, but yeah, I guess it from from a risk point of view. I get what what's interesting me is 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 how your attitude to risk has evolved over over the years, um, yeah. and and what's been an influence on that. I think my attitude to risk is definitely definitely <laughs> revolved over the years a lot more. Um, the first time you, you you take those kind of decisions, it is it does feel scary, but you do it. And because it's worked out well, the second time or the third time, you feel com- a lot more comfortable. You, you you're not you're not worried about it so much because you know in your I suppose in my mind I feel like well it worked first time round it will work again. Hmm. So I don't even look at the negative side of it. So what sort of risks have you taken? I mean, I've opened several companies. That's risking itself. And if it doesn't work out, then the, the hassle and the stress of having to close it and so forth. The other risk I've taken, even taking on staff is a risk. You don't know whether they're going to work, um, whether they're going to fit in with other, other um, team members, whether they're going to help your company or hinder your company. It's, it's a big risk. But you know, but having said that, my, my PA was my PA Emma would say, 
having to work with me is a, a risk. <laughs> it's a risk because it's like handling a cat. My mind is all over the place. I've always got a lot going on. Yeah. So that's what she says. <laughs> but she loves it, really. She loves it. <laughs> <laughs> um, if it's a two-way risk, then I suppose at least you're spreading it about. Exactly, exactly. But other risks I've taken is um, going for properties which needs perhaps need a lot of work doing. Um I, am I even going to get tenants for it? It's a big risk. You know, does anyone want to live in, in that particular property or live in sort of like in that on that road? What about if the roof collapse or what about if the builder runs off with my money? It's, it's all about risk, but it's a calculated risk at the same time. I, you know, I do my due diligence first. But you still don't know hmm. how it's gonna it's gonna um, pan out. I mean, for example, one of our my properties, one of my favorite ones now actually, which I bought through an auction, just when we were about to start the work, lockdown happened. Hmm. So builders and were not meant to be working. We have to put things on hold for a good couple of months before the government then allows start allowing construction companies to to carry on with with work hmm. because developers start moaning about it. And then when the builders are working, they can't have more than one person in at the same time. Yeah. Because of that, the development, we should have taken three months and I've taken nine months, a lot, lot longer than it should. Mm. But we did get it done in the end. We did get it done. Um, the, only, it, the only problem that I had with that was it was, purchased with investors' funds. So I have private investors who invest in me for a better return than they get from the bank. So I buy the properties for cash, I renovate it, then I refinance it or sell it. And so where I, I said to them, it's going to take three to six months to be done, the work alone took up like nine months. So by the time we refinance it, it's a year. But luckily for me, my team and my investors believe in me. And I kept them up to date on what's happening. So they were okay with it. And everyone got a really nice payout at the end because we had a, a fabulous end result of the work that it was actually valued a lot, lot more than I thought it will. Hmm. So the wait was worth it. So um, I suppose um, people look, people look at, from, at risk in a way from, from the point of view of a, um, uh, a capacity for loss. So, how much are you willing? How much are you willing to 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 lose? Mm. Um, I mean, how, do you think for an entrepreneur, there's a certain kind of appetite for risk that makes the entrepreneurial experience uh, more more palatable, more exciting? Um, and um, you know, where where do you sit on that kind of risk profile? Yeah, I think I think when once you become an entrepreneur. Definitely, your appetite for risk actually gets higher the more risk you take or the, the more you, you grow. Mm. It definitely get, get higher um, because you know what you, where you've come from and you feel like even if you get back down there again, i.e. starting from zero, you gain the knowledge and experience that you can replicate the whole thing all over again a lot quicker than mm. the first time around. Mm. So your appetite for risk actually becomes a lot, lot higher. Mm. Um, in my case, I just look at the protection I have 
in the decisions I'm making. For example, buying a property, I'm not too worried about the risk because I've got insurance. Hmm. My property is insured if it falls down or whatever happened to it, insurance is there. Um, I don't worry about tenants not paying. Again, because one, I've, um, I've got insurance. Two, I could just get them out. And three, I know there's a, a demand for properties because this supply is so low yeah. at the moment yeah. that I know I could easily find a new tenant. So I, I balance out what the risk is and then I think of what the cover will be yeah. or how I, could, I, will, I can overcome that risk. Mm. And once I know it balances okay, I just go ahead. Cool. So you've got a plan then to 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 understand what the risk is because it sounded a little bit earlier on like you were saying when you when when you've had some success that 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 means you're more willing to take more risk but actually that's not a kind of a one-sided um out of control type a type risk appetite because oh, no definitely not <laughs> there's 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 mitigations there yeah. just so so you know so you're protecting the downside potentially. Oh yeah, definitely definitely yeah, protecting the downside. Yeah. Now it'd be silly to just go in and take a risk without knowing what the um, protection is. I mean, for example, I wouldn't go and jump out of a plane without a parachute. Sounds very sensible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I know the parachute, I could jump out of a plane and 99.9% yeah. the parachute will open to be safe. Yeah. Obviously, the best thing to do is not to do it at all. <laughs> <laughs> so basically what you're saying is you wouldn't jump out of a plane. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I don't want anyone to challenge me to do that. That's, no, I don't want to buy a plane. No, but no. If you're going to do something like that, <laughs> then obviously you have a you have a parachute, and you know that ninety nine point nine percent of the time the yeah. parachute will will open and yeah. you'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. But in everything, there is that little tiny element of risk, mm. and that one percent of not knowing or not point one percent is mm. is what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So look, so I guess what I'm interested in is. Um, a couple of things, really, um, from from this conversation moment so far. So, because I quite like to talk about your your, um, your 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 story and and kind of where it all began for you. But I'm interested in that um, from the con from the point of view of okay, so so character and character qualities that that you um, have inherited, perhaps, or or, or, or were born with. Um, so. Um, that's the same thing you inherited perhaps or uh, and were born with or or, or maybe you you developed as through experience yeah. so i'm interested in that uh, yeah. and and also kind of how that perhaps then plays into um i suppose the the person that you are now and the, and the decisions that you make so 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 how, how about telling us a bit about your 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 story yeah well i'm a i'm a second of four children i have an older brother who is the firstborn. Um, it's a year and a, two years between me and my brother. Then I've got two younger sisters. Uh, my two younger ones, again, are quite close in age. So there was a big gap between me and my, my next sibling, my sister. Um, myself and my brother became very close because it was just, just the two of us. So in a way, my brother is pretty, is pretty quiet. Is what you call... A typical scientist is a professor of chemistry. So he's a quite typical scientist. And he's always been the quiet one from day one. Mm. I came along and I just literally blew up the house, as my mum would say. <laughs> I came 
with a force. I was been, I've been the, the bubbly one, the assertive one, the energetic one. Um, and that that personality is, is carried on since then. I was the same at school as well. People used to ask school used to think I was the older sibling between me and my brother because I'm the one who fights his battles for him. <laughs> um, I fight his battles for him. Um, and also, I used to play with my brother's friends. And I suppose where they boys, I became quite boisterous as well as a child. And my my cousins, who we grew up with, were all boys as well. So you can say I was the only girl with this group of boys, my cousins, my brother. Mm. And I just kind of pick up that energetic personality. My mum used to say when I was little, I used to run after all the boys and want to play football when I was about two, three years old. And she used to get worried that I was going to get hurt. Mm. So she want to come and pick me up and put me away to play away from the boys. But I would get angry and start kicking and punching into it. Just put me down, put me down. And she put me down and me, this little thing, will start running after the boys again. Um, and she's like, oh, this girl is going to be a handful. <laughs> um, so personality-wise, I've always been very energetic, very assertive, but I was never really naughty. And I was I was never really, really naughty. I've always been more of a, a helper than the naughty, apart from sorting out the the boys at school for my brother. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was a mischief making. That was fixing it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So and um, my dad is in a way is very much like me as well. Is very um, extrovert. Um, my mum is. Is also quite an extrovert, I would say. She doesn't think she is, but I think she is. She's an extrovert as well, but she could be quite reserved as well. But I think I've taken a lot of my dad's personality. Mm. Um, watching him, my dad is nearly 82 now mm-hmm. and full of energy. He doesn't keep still. He's always up and about. He's traveling here, traveling there. He's driving here, driving there. He's doing this, he's doing that. He's just always on the go mm. at 82, a bit like me in a way. Yeah. So I think I've definitely taken a lot more of his energy. He doesn't have he doesn't have fear of anything. You know, whereas my mum could be a bit more fearful. So even though she, I think she's a bit of an extrovert as well, she's a lot more fearful, whereas my dad is not. Mm. Um, but I grew up in an environment where you're literally known to made to believe that you can do anything you put your mind to okay and you know? and who and whose influence was that was that was that you know that's your mum your dad, dad or my dad's influence dad. yeah yeah that's my dad's influence you can you can do anything he was also my dad was also very strict on us with education in our education um i'm the second generation um west african immigrants so my parents came here for education and work and they believe having education is the number one thing you can do for yourself Mm. because they could take everything you you have but they can't take your knowledge you know they can't take your knowledge you can and once you've got knowledge you can start anything anywhere so my dad was quite strict on all of us on our education, getting our school work done, um, making sure we attend school, doing lots of reading, focusing on education. Again, 
people will look at myself and my siblings and they, they say things like, oh gosh, your parents are so lucky. You're doing so well. You have a doctor, you have a professor, you have an accountant. That's what they say. But it's nothing to do with luck. My parents push us. Hmm. They'll sit to make sure we've done, we've done our work. My dad will ask you, why are you sitting there doing nothing when you've got a book to read? So they put in the work for us to turn out the way we are at the end. Because that's interesting, because that could go one or two ways, couldn't it? Because um, cause, uh, we you, you, you do hear about and, and see examples where um, parents that are, um, I'm going to use the word pushy, you know, you can mm. debate debate that, um, and, and let me know if I've used the wrong word. No problem. Uh, but you know, mm. where pushy pushy parents actually end up um, almost pushing pushing their children uh, away. If if a, if a child rails against that kind of um, uh, you know pressure, um, or you know, it, that can either be an active rebellion, or it can be. Um, you know, have a kind of uh, an impact on on their self belief and all that kind of stuff. Which it seems to have had a positive impact on you. How how does that scan? I suppose, in a way, there's a difference between pushy and advising. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents, you can say they they push us to do our work, um, especially in education, but at the same time, they show us the reasons why they're doing it. Okay advise us on the benefits that we'll have later on they're not doing it and in a way when we compare that to other people we know maybe family or friends um we can see their point they they give examples they show us the reason it's no question of you need to do this and that's the end of it but why why i'm asking you to do this why i'm, I'm making you do this so if you know the reason behind it then you don't see it as pushy. Mm. I mean, I've known parents who will put their children through all this um, additional, you know, for example, private school, additional tuition, lots of, the, the kids are doing something literally every single day because, for example, they want a child to go to Oxford or Cambridge. Mm. Um, have you told the child why you want them to go to Oxford or Cambridge? Is it, to benefit you or to benefit them, yeah. you know. Mm. Both my brother and my sister went to um, Oxford. They were not sort of like they didn't have private tuitions or or were pushed to go to Oxford, but they studied enough for them to say, Do you know what, we're going to try and apply to Oxford, and then they got in. They wouldn't. Be, I don't think they'd be bothered if they didn't because they know they worked hard anyway, and they could go anywhere. They could choose any university they want. Mm. So that's the difference. Some parents have, you know, a one-sided view and push their children, but they're not actually doing it for the children. They're doing it for themselves. Okay. That's really interesting, actually, because there, there's an element in there of uh, taking the time. Well, yeah, so seeing it as guidance rather than uh, it, it being an instruction or, or, or a, a diktat. Mm. And... Uh, that's definitely something that I can relate to in how um, I've evolved uh, the way that I'm a parent to, to my to my daughters because that wasn't my intention uh, to, mm. to to push them at, so that they felt uncomfortable or too much pressure, uh, but um, but but potentially that's how it came across sometimes. So so that's that that's interesting. And then so there's a guidance thing, and then there's also the um, 
I suppose it's interesting to know how that, because it sounds like you felt quite empowered to be able to make decisions um, and you understood the reason why. Uh, so mm. that whole thing about the purpose, uh, which um, which again, I think sometimes goes missing if it is basically just an instruction how, how empowered were you as a as a child to to make your own decisions very much so in a way um yeah it, it, i felt very empowered to make my, my decisions as a child or if for example as i was saying before that i want to play with my brother and my cousins and running up after them and my mum doesn't want me to because she thinks I'm gonna get I'm gonna get hurt. And I will kick and fuss until she gives in. Like, all right, you go and play. If you get hurt, it's your own, it's your own decision. So I feel I did have the empowerment. I can make the decisions and I did make my own decisions. Hmm. Um even going to college and university. I mean, I went to college, I didn't go to sixth form because my college at the time wasn't doing the subjects I wanted to do for um, for sixth for A-levels. Mm. So I went to college instead. My brother stayed on in, in sixth form. I could have chosen, my parents could have made me stayed on in sixth form and chosen the subjects that was available. But I knew that's not what I wanted to do. Mm. And they just decided... Yeah, you can you can go to college. I went to college almost an hour away from home. Mm. Um and it was a long journey. But it was my decision to do those those specific subjects. Mm. And that is actually what's led me to where I am now in a way as well, in a career that I'm that I'm in. I don't even know whether all univers all colleges do all six forms do those subjects now. Yeah. Um some of them they probably will, like accounts and economics. Yeah. Other subjects like um, commerce and at the time statistics wasn't a common A level subject, mm-hmm. and those are the kind of things I wanted to do because I was very very good at maths. Yeah, I'm very very good at maths, yeah. um, and I wanted to do things as statistics. I wanted to do things as econ- um, you know commerce, um, which led me to working in investment banking when I finished my my A levels. Yeah, yeah. So so yeah so it's quite interesting isn't it? somebody who likes who like who likes accounting who's good at maths who also likes chasing uh, chasing boys around in in the uh, in, in <laughs> two, two years old so so did what and what about um, relationships with friends and all that kind of stuff when you when when you were growing up and coming through school how how was that for you I, I had really good friends hmm. I was very lucky that I was one of the popular girls in school. My friends thought I was a bit crazy. I'm still friends with a lot of my school friends, um, with friends on Facebook and so forth, even though I've moved I've moved out of the area and they've moved as well. Hmm. I had good friends um, and I've still got really, really good friends now. I've been lucky that my friendship groups has evolved in every stage of my, my, my life or my career, but that friendship group still st- stands. Hmm. Like I, I had friends I had at school, I'm I'm still friends with them separately. Friends I had at university, I'm still friends with them separately. In fact, most of my close friends from university now live abroad. They live in Canada and America and Ghana, but we're still good friends. You know, we talk 
with Zoom, we visit each other. So I'm quite lucky like that. Mm. And then my main job after leaving university, which is the National Audit Office, I made a really close group of friends. And we're still really, really good friends now. Mm. You know, really good friends. And then since finding property, I've made some really good connections in property as well. That people have become are becoming really close friends for, uh, with me. Yeah, so I've got a cluster of friendship groups in different parts of my life. Mm. And I, I, it's really weird how I still get on with all of them, mm-hmm. you know, and how we still, I'm still really good friends with each group separately as well. Um, my, my colleagues at work, I literally class them as friends now, I mean, my, my staff, because we all get on so well. Mm. You know, we all get on, you know, so, so well as well. So... So again, um, again, you use the word lucky to describe um, the fact that you've had lots of friends, but you didn't use the word mm-hmm. accident. So um, yeah, because yeah, it's not it's not by accident that we're still really good friends. Um, it is lucky because I put the work in, and they put the work in. Um, like I said, um, luck, learning under control, knowledge. If I don't keep in touch with my friends, or they don't keep in touch with me, probably the friendship would have broken. Mm especially the ones who moved abroad after university. Hmm. But because I take the time to phone them, I go and visit when I can. They take the time to phone me, check how I am, how my family is. And they come and come to the UK and visit still as well. Hmm. So we're still making the effort to have that connection. And that's because of that is, is keeping the friendship still strong and still going really, really well. Hmm. I think if I stop calling my friends and then they stop calling me because no one is putting in the work, no one's putting in the effort, it probably would die down a lot quicker. Yeah. So, but even though you have to put in the effort in anything you do, mm. you have to, you know, if you want it to work. So whether it's business, family, friendship, anything, you know, health, anything you want to a good results in you have to put in the work yeah so what are your highest values my highest values apart from my faith because obviously i'm a i'm a i'm a christian born again christian i had really had baptism again as an adult from when i was um a child and that's through choice so my faith is really really important to me um and because of that i live the life that is expected from someone of, of my faith. So my highest value is helping others. Um, I'm very, very altruistic person. But I always feel like the more I give, the more I get as well, mm-hmm. in a way. So, yeah, helping others is one of my top three highest values, mm. I would say. Um, and trust. I like to I, I like to trust people. Um and I suppose money as well. The reason why money is one of my top three highest values is because you can't do much without money mm. in a way. I know people will say people say things like, oh, but love does not cost anything, you know, or spending time with people does not cost anything. But you can't you can't pay bills with just love. Mm. You have to spend money to pay the bills. You can't help someone with just your love. You have to spend money to save people. If 
if, for example, one of my friends is in dire medical need and the only option of saving their life is through some new medical intervention, just me telling them I love them, it's not going to work. They'll be grateful and probably love me back, but saying to them, I'm going to pay for your treatment, even though it's, I don't know, 50000 100000 to me, that's a lot more powerful than just saying that, you know, I love you and I'm there for you. And that's one of the reasons why money is one of my, my top three, um, you know, b- beliefs in a way, yeah. really. Yeah. And anything I could do to make honest money and build my portfolio of wealth so I can give, I could help other people. Because I do give a lot to various charities. Um, I give a lot to organizations who I need. If I find someone who is, I know I, is truly struggling, I will, you know, put money in an envelope in secret and put in a letterbox, for example. I do things like that. Mm. Um, I shouldn't be saying this really because <laughs> there's people in my community who I've done this for and they might listen to this podcast. <laughs> they don't know who it is. Yeah. Who's been doing it? Yeah. <laughs> well, we can... Um... <laughs> We can edit it out if, if you if you'd prefer that, but so that's no problem. But um, yeah. just let me know. But I mean, yeah, that's that's the that's the kind of things that I do. That's uh, you know, and that's why money is one of my top three high values as well. So so because because so so um, faith and then helping others, and then and then money. I guess mm. I guess it's a bit about um, what what those things give you what those things create and you've talked a little bit about that so so money is gives gives you um um the opportunity to help help others and to mm. uh and and you know if, if you need to um but but what else what else does it give you i think in a way it gives me happiness it gives me comfort knowing that you've made a difference in someone's life to me is one of the most amazing feelings of comfort. In a way, I think that's what we're put on on earth to do, to help others. Um, yeah, it, it gives me comfort to know that I've made a, a, a tiny dot of difference in someone's life, that I've helped someone be able to, to sleep soundly this week because they can be able to pay their bills without having to worry too much about it. Mm. So that's that's what gives me that joy of that I've helped someone. Yeah. Even if they don't know it's me, but I, always, I, I do also help people who do know it's me. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. As, as long as you know it's you, I suppose that's the important thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So, um, so tell us a bit about your, your, your family and, and, and your son. I, I'm so lucky that um, my daughter works with me, actually. So I have three children, a, a daughter and two boys, mm. uh, my daughter being the older and the firstborn, and then two younger two younger children. Um, my daughter used to be a lawyer, or she trained, trained in law. But two years ago, as my property company was growing and things were getting very busy, I realized I need, I need help. I convinced her to take a 50% pay cut and come and work for me. And at first she told me to get lost. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I want to do that? She yeah, said. Yeah. Um, that's partly because she was, she was getting stressed with her job. It was very high flying. 
um, decision she had. Um, but then I show her all the other benefits. You get to work with mummy. You have time to yourself. <laughs> what, could, what could possibly go wrong to get to work with your mum? Yeah. Um, and I, once I showed her all the benefits, she agreed. So she's been with me for two years now. I thought she'd probably stay for three, four months and say, that's it, I'm gone. Hmm. But she's been with me for, for two two years now, over two years, and it's going really, really well. Um, even though sometimes she says I drive her mad because... Again, my mind is always working overtime and I'm always doing things without asking her first. Her being from a legal background, she think every contract that I sign must be read with a fine tooth comb. Hmm. Whereas I simply just go to where do I sign? Yeah. So I sign things without reading first and it drives her mad hmm. um, when, I, when I do that. Yeah. So, and then I have my middle son. Um, he works in... He works for Oxford University as a um, like a media manager. He quite he's a, he's a lot like me, whereas my daughter is very more headstrong and quite strict. My middle son is a lot more laid back, quite chilled. So in a way, he's 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 a lot a lot more like me. And then my my youngest one, um, unfortunately, was, I was born with a medical condition. He's had 14 years of surgery. Wow. Um, every every other year, no, 15 years of surgery, actually. He had his last surgery this year. Okay. Um, this is to help save his limbs. Right. And he's he's done phenomenal. Because of him is why my faith got stronger mm. in a way. Um, and I got myself rebaptized. He's a phenomenal, phenomenal young man. He is so resilient. Um, but yet so calm. I really don't know who, like how he, he became that, to, to tell you the truth. But he's also very focused, hardworking. Um, he missed a lot of time off school for hospitals, but yet got phenomenal GCSE results. And middle of doing his A-levels, we start doing university visits now because mm-hmm. he'll be off to university next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really, really close to my children. Mm-hmm. You know, I separated from their dad some like years back because of the stress with my son's surgery and everything. Mm. It was too much. But that's kind of made us a lot closer. Mm. I'm really, really close with my three. We're like the four musketeers more than the three musketeers. Mm. We, get on, we all get on, get on really well. Cool. Really well. Um, I couldn't wish for better children in a way. Amazing. And and so and so what what what's what what is your son's the condition your son was born with? He's he's got a condition called um hemimilia. Hemimilia, which basically miss, means um, missing bones. Okay. So parts of the bones in his limbs were missing. Hmm. And he's either have to go through amputation or sort of like rigorous years and years of surgery to kind of reconstruct and rebuild the bones. And we decided to go through the reconstruction. Um side of things. So we knew it was going to be a long term. He needs hospital. Once he's had a surgery, you have to go into hospital every week, every single week for weeks on end, months in a way. Mm. And I knew the stress it was going to be. I decided to make that decision. Hence why my job as an auditor, traveling away from home for weeks on end wasn't working. And I had to leave my job to look after him. But in a way it's because it's made a massive benefit to our lives mm. more than you can imagine 
if it wasn't for his needs, I probably would still be working in central government. Um, maybe I may have gone up two or three ranks in my career, but nothing at all compared to where we are. Mm. Nothing. Mm. So where the, that negative is brought out a positive mm. for us. Um, we travel. We have lots of lovely holidays. We do things together. I was able to take him to school myself, pick him up. So there's been a massive positive, and that's what I've said, I said about giving me faith. Mm. Um, just recently launched um, a charity in his in, in the name of his condition, and mm. um, so hemimelia is basically because it's so rare. It used to be one in a million children worldwide. Wow! So sort of like had a condition, but over over time, it's getting more and more popular. Mm. And it's now down to about one in 180. Wow. And it's still growing a lot faster. Wow. Um, so it was used to be known as one in a million child, but they still they don't know the cause of it and why it happens in seven times more in boys than in girls. Okay. And why it happens if it's not in all your limbs, it happens more on the right side than the left side. Mm. So recently we opened um, a charity under his name called Nathan Bill Hemimilia Trust. Mm -hmm. And the idea of that is to try and raise funds to for research into the condition and as well as um, newsletters, support, advice, because it takes a lot out of parents, a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and um, a research center in Oxford University called the Ruby Study have agreed to collaborate with us on, on this charity. So I'm really, really honoured about that, mm -hmm. really, mm -hmm. really, really honoured. So, yeah, more things to, to come. Mm -hmm. if, I, if I could stop any future parents going through all of that from, from the research, I've done my job. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. And as it's getting more and more popular, it could happen to more or less anyone. So... Wow, and that is that is a massive change, isn't it? And how how, how does how does Nathan feel about um, having his name attached to a, to a to a foundation in this way? He doesn't mind because he's, he said, "Does it mean I'm going to make I'm going to be famous?" <laughs> <laughs> I said, "You are famous. You're famous to us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're famous for our family." Yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah, maybe in future one day he can tell his story. Yeah, um, about everything that he's went through with the surgeries and um, how he shaped him. He's so resilient and so laid back. Sometimes I don't know exactly what's going through his head. Mm. It is affecting him in a negative way, but it doesn't seem to be showing to be affecting him in a negative way because he's really, really getting on with life. Me, and my sister Sarah who totally adores Nathan, always tell him, Nathan, you're my inspiration. Because when I think of everything that you go through or I've gone through and the achievement that you have achieved, I say to my students or anyone who moans, get a grip, meet my nephew. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. And so this, yeah. surgery, this surgery then, I mean, what, 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 how, how, what kind of impact does it have? I mean, every two years... Um, so, and then, and then how, how, how long? So every, every two years, about six, seven months of our life is spent in going to hospital very, very regularly. So yeah. they have, um, 
what is called Elizaroff fixation, mm. where they have these big metal bars. It's this person growth spurs. They have this metal bar and attached to his limbs. Mm. You have the surgery where they break the bones. Then they set this metal bar on his limbs and then you have to turn the pins. So you have to artificially grow the bone yeah. four times four times a day. Why? To get new new bone and new length. So once you you turn you turn the pins and the gap happens, new bone will grow in that space. Yeah. Wow. So you know, yeah, and he, he's been going through that every other year since he was two years old. So what um, what's what's the source of of this resilience? Because I mean, it's, it's not just resilience. It's also you know there must be a lot of courage and and um, yeah. I mean, you know, but also being able to kind of accept that this is mm. this is what this is what has to happen. And where 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 do these qualities come from? I suppose in a way we're sort of like you know we're very very positive family. Mm. Um, and in a way, he he knows, especially being in the hospital as well. He sees a lot of other children in the children's wards who are in a lot worse condition, like than him, mm. such as children who are ha- having surgery for brain or um, part of their, their head has been cut off, um, you know, missing eye. Or he sees a lot worse case than himself, mm. but he also sees a lot milder case than himself. Yeah. Um, and he knows that no matter what you're going through, there's always someone a lot worse than you who will be happy to swap with you. So you need to just accept what you have and make the most of it. Mm-hmm. And I believe that 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 has helped him in a way to stay resilient. He also knows that it will come to an end eventually. Okay. And we're kind of coming to coming to an end now. He's got a final check up on the 31st of October um, with x-rays. But he, he's got his limbs. He's walking fine. Um, I recently put a picture of him on, on Facebook, standing straight. So he's, he's gone through it and he's come to an end of it. And I've always let him know from the beginning that it will take time, but it will come to an end. Mm. Everything ends. Yeah. You know, there's to everything. Um, yeah, it's inter- that- it's interesting. It's um, that to to kind of because again, I, I read a I read a comment. Um, yeah, if you've got a problem, uh, and and you find you find yourself getting upset about a problem, uh, you know, think about whether it's still going to be a problem in ten years, and then decide whether to get upset about it or not. But you know, in this situation, it, it's potentially a um, well, a much longer period than that. So, um, and and that from for, for him and for, um, for for you as well, you know, when you were making this decision uh, eighteen years ago, whenever it was, uh, did you did you feel like you were fully informed about about what lied ahead? No, not at all. Okay, not at all. Um, like I said, because it's so rare, mm. it was in. I was lucky enough to be put through another parent um, who was going through. Their son is a couple of years older than Nathan, so they were going through it, and I had a long chat with them, and again, still in touch with them as well. I was lucky to have that, but there wasn't hardly any information to be able to make a fully, fully informed choice. Mm. I just had faith 
that parent helped me a lot. Mm. I would have liked to have more information, more printed information, for example, and there wasn't that many. Hence why I've decided to do this charity, to be able to do have better research, better information, to help other parents in the future mm. than, than we had. Mm. Um, but I don't, I don't regret the decision we made at all. I don't regret it. One of the other reasons why we decided to go through the rigorous several years of reconstruction is because having family in science, like my brother or my sister, we know that science is improving all the time. Yeah. So if we go through the amputations, then there's nothing to play with mm. if science move on. Whereas if we don't, even if it doesn't become perfect, science could help in the future. There are people who've been in wheelchairs for several years or all their life, and suddenly with science, they're actually starting to walk. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's part of the reason why we made those decisions as well. Yeah. So was was there ever a moment where you wondered whether you'd made the right call? Yes, definitely. When he's just had surgery or when he's in, he's in theatre for 11 hours, 13 hours, then he come out of surgery and he's in pain and I see the size of the metal bar attached to him. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, how can I be putting my, my child through this? Um, and I thought, would it have been just easier if we'd gone through the amputation? But then speaking to other people, it, that also comes with its own challenges mm. and its own pain and its own going to hospitals. So that that doesn't give me the assurance that actually it's not my place to get him to, you know, to get his limbs amputated. Mm. It's, I can't make that decision for him. Yeah. Only God knows why he's given him those limbs. Mm. It could be for a reason in the future. And that's how I console myself. Because you can never, never really know 100% if you've made the right decision on anything. Mm. You just have to work with what you've got and make the best judgment call and hope it's the right one. Yeah. And what I guess is fascinating to me now about this is that if, you, if you've made a decision and, and it, w w the way you're talking about it now, you know, you sound pretty assured, you know, you, well, you don't sound very assured about making the right decisions and all those sorts of things. But how do you, how do you um, build that? assurance and, and maintain that assurance because there must be really really dark days as well as the joyful ones you know how, how do you how do you maintain it that's um, through faith you know i i pray on it um each time it's going to go surgery i pray on it and i ask for guidance i ask for this you know signs that i'm doing the right thing and believe it or not i usually do get those those moments where I'm like, oh, this is what God is telling me, mm. you know, in a way. Um, and each time it's been the, the right thing to do. Mm. Um, Hard to explain his condition is Oscar Pistorius, mm. the runner. Yeah. He, he was born with the same condition as my son. Okay. Um, and his parents obviously went through the amputation. Mm. So when I see... Nathan's where he is now, coming to the end of his surgery with his 
And the fact that he still have his limbs, after all these years of surgery, he still have his limbs. Mm. Compared to someone like Oscar, whose limbs has gone for good. Mm. And will always, always have to use the prosthetics or um, just walk on his, on his stumps and so forth. I feel like, yeah, I've definitely made the right decision. Mm. You know, I was help speaking to another parent who's, again, child have to go through the whole thing. And she decided she was going to go through the amputation route mm. as well. Um, because she simply said she cannot give up her job. She needs to go to work mm. to look after them. So she's making a decision based on her job rather than what is important for her child. Mm. And to me, that's kind of sad and selfish. Okay. You and, know? And the decision that you made was to, to, to change the job. Yeah, to change the job. Mm. Wherever it takes for his needs. But I'm lucky that it's turned around the other way. That I've been able to do what he needs. And it's also created us a better future. And uh, from the point of view of starting your own business, uh, in, the, in the midst of all this, um, what were the challenges you faced and how did you overcome them? Initially, I just started off small. It was just going to be me working for myself, a few clients, um, and just earn enough income to keep us afloat. That was the plan. But soon I was obviously doing something good because I started getting referrals and then it just grew and grew and grew. And I didn't want to turn down <laughs> new business, new clients. Yeah. Um, so sadly I've got this huge amount of clients that I have to service and I have to take time out to go to the hospital. And at first, because I was doing everything manually, it was a little bit harder because I was working around him, which means we'll sometimes come back from the hospital, then I'd be working till about midnight to get the work done. And that was tiring for me, mm. um, exhausting. Then I discovered softwares in my industry that I could use, and that was a game changer. I suddenly could do the work from anywhere. I invested in making sure that I have all the relevant softwares that's come on the market that would make the job easier. I literally spent maybe three months worth of turnover to have all the softwares put in place, which means I could sit in the hospital with my laptop working while he's having surgery or while he was, you know, in the bed or whatever. And it started becoming easier. And once I realized it's becoming easier, I didn't have to work so late anymore. Mm. And as more and more clients start coming on board, I was able to start to take my first staff because I could give them the same software mm. and they could carry on working. And that's in the way that's how the business grew. You know, the magic of IT. Yeah. So and you guess, may what, guess what Nathan has decided to go into? Guess <laughs> what he's going to start at university? <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. Go on, is it IT? <laughs> 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 but so you made the lucky decision then to 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 invest in invest in systems as well then. Mm. Yeah. After research into the best the best in my industry and how everything fits in. Mm. So I could literally work anywhere. Mm. I could just take a laptop and 
yeah, which in a way I did. When Nathan was 11, um, I took him out of school, took my laptop, and we went traveling around the world for a couple of months. But not, he had, I nearly didn't have any surgery until the September. Mm. So, and I was working while we were out and about. We went to Hong Kong, we went to Australia, we went to New Zealand, you know, we, we went to Singapore, Malaysia. Again, I wouldn't be able to have done that if I was an employee, because I have to have asked that time off. And secondly, I wouldn't be able to have done that because I don't think we'll have the money to do it either. So what's your message then to, to, to people who are potentially facing a challenging uh, situation? Because it can't just be, well, go and start your own business. There have got to be things that people have, people have got to either have or got to want or got to do to kind of make sure that's the right decision for them. So, so, so what's, what, what's your advice for people who, who might be in that kind of a place? My advice is number, first and foremost, number one is have faith. Have faith, pray on it and ask for guidance. I know people, some people say, oh, do not believe in God, you're not Christians and so forth. Um, but I truly believe that if you really pray and ask for guidance, you will get the answers. You will get the answers. Um, that's why I did. Um, and trust in your own judgment, listen to your gut. You know, go with your gut feeling. Our guts are really, really important. It really talks to us. Um, and a lot of people try to ignore it. You know, that's why they have the word gut feeling. Mm -hmm. Listen to your gut and listen to what is advice is giving you. You get the answers. You don't necessarily have to go and start your own business. But if your gut's saying, where you are is the right place for you in terms of maybe working for someone, then it means that if you discuss your needs or situations with them, they'll be able to accommodate it. But if your gut is telling you, actually, it's not the right thing to do and I need to change direction altogether, then maybe listen to it and change the, change the direction altogether. But listen to your gut. It always gives you the answer. Always. That's great advice. And then, and once you've once you've listened to your gut, and you've got a you've got a feeling about what the right thing to do is next. Um, what what can people do then to, to 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 make a decision to take some action, but in a way that um, satisfies them that they're creating luck for themselves rather than taking a risk that is going to hurt them. Find other people in who has been through what you. You need to go through. And I mean, there's a saying, people sort of like say, oh, I want to learn from my own mistakes. That is such a stupid saying. <laughs> Why would you want to learn from your own mistakes when someone's already learned and refine what you want to do? Mm. Why? Mm. It doesn't make sense. Otherwise, what's the point of books and so forth? This is my mum's saying, actually. <laughs> Find other people who have been through what you're going through yeah. and decisions that you need to make and learn from them. Listen to what stuff like how it's planned out for them. Listen to what they've gone through. I mean, that's why Nathan, for Nathan's condition, um, the hospital literally put you in touch of, to a family who has been through it or going through it. Mm. Um, and listen to how things have been lit what is work for them and what hasn't, why they made a decision that they've made. 
because there's no printed information, nothing printed information available. Mm. So my advice is once you listen to your gut, you've, you know, got the faith that you, it sounds right, find people who have done it or people who have been through it or people who are going through it and take their advice, really, really take their advice. For example, on the property side, I got a mentor and I knew I want to reach a certain level. Um, so I got a mentor and seek their advice and support. And I did everything my mentor taught me. I put it in practice because they've been there. They're doing it. They've done it. Mm. Why would I want to just go and try and invent the wheel from scratch mm-hmm. and make my own mistakes? Because yeah. mistakes could be costly, you know? So yeah, listen to others, learn from others. It's really, really important to learn from others. That's great advice. And and so what are you doing now to 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 pay that forward? I've been helping a lot of um people who wants to, especially in the property side, wants to go into property. Mm. Um, who have reached out, they've seen what I do, I'm doing on social media and so forth, and I've reached out to me for advice and help and support. And I've been giving them that information to the point where very recently I managed to get a license from Progressive to start a property network networking event in my area. So Progressive Property Network Oxford mm-hmm. launched last month. So very, very new. It launched last month. There was a really, really good turnout. Um, I had an amazing speaker. Um, and it's going to be every month. I give a lot of tips and advice to people. Um, and the next one is actually this Thursday, the 14th of September, and I have already got a lot of people registered to attend the event. So I feel like I'm giving back mm-hmm. from what I've gained. I'm you know, helping other people who want to get into property or um, was not sure what to do. So then my network is my next my next project or my next baby, I okay. should say. Okay. And it's great. I love it. I do get people who want to start their own business or their own accountancy business who again reach out to me to say I'm thinking of starting a business I'm not sure how business works and I do give all those advice I don't charge anything for it you know most of them will go and open a business and then they ask us can you be my accountant my business accountant and we we make money through that Mm. but generally I'm always advising and giving advice for no charge at all so if anyone wants to start a business or want to get into property and they're not sure where to look and they want to link up with me on social media, I'd be more than happy to to help and support them. Fantastic. And so um, we'll, we'll, we'll get your details just in a minute, uh, but um, I'm just intrigued because um, I'm conscious of time and, and we probably should, should, uh, should unfortunately conclude our conversation. But, uh, but so, so a, a property network meeting, I mean, it sounds like you sort of you sort of t- turn up and, and and meet people and and listen to speakers, but but what should people really expect to get from an event like that? They will. It's not the speakers are not just there to speak for the sake of it. They're there to to teach, they to advise and guide you. Um, so the network every month will be a different speaker. Mm. There'll be a different person who's 
currently in property, whether they're new or seasoned investor, they will be telling their story, teaching all the good and bad that they've learned, learning their lessons so you don't have to go and make the same mistake mm-hmm. um, all over again. The speaker for that particular month will be teaching you a part of property. For example, this month's um, meeting, we have a, sort of like a, a gentleman called um, Rob Breyer, who has been an estate agent for over 20 years. So he knows everything. And he's now coming to teach people this month how to talk to estate agents. Hmm. That is a keynote speaking. So you can be able to get the kind of property deals for an investor. Because property for an investor is different from the one that you're going to live in. So he's going to come and talk to people on how to speak to a state agent. And we also have our keynote speaker and our property investor from the area. He's come to tell his journey, his journey mm-hmm. um, all the ups and downs that he's had, um, the good, the bad, what to watch out for, and showcase some of his, his projects. Mm-hmm. So people could learn from it. But you also will be able to meet maybe a mortgage broker or an insurance company or a construction company to do any property project that you have, you network with other people and some of them could even be your business partner. Mm. Um, I mean, for example, I said I found Progressive only three years ago. I couldn't believe that I didn't know them before, but the founders of Progressive, they met at the property network themselves 18 years ago. And now they've created, you know, UK's biggest property training company from meeting at a network. Mm. You just never know where it's going to take you. You know, meeting like-minded people. So there's a lot of support in the room, really. And Mm. you you can find your next best friend as well, even if it's not through property, even if it's not property, but you can actually find your next best friend or your next partner, you know, your next lifetime partner. Who knows? With a little bit of luck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. can talk to everyone. Exactly, but that's the thing. You've got to put the work in, right? So, uh, yeah. so there you go. Brilliant. Well, Sophia, thanks ever so much for for coming back on the show. It's been really great to to find out a bit more about you and and hear about uh, you know more about your family and 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 where some of your values come from and and how that plays into you know what you do and why why you do it. If people do want to get in touch with you, uh, give us some details. What's the best way to get in touch? So I'm on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn, um, either Sophia Botchway or Sophia Lambert Holmes. Um, so any of the socials, and they have my phone number there as well. Or if there's even search Sophia Lambert Holmes on Google, my company details will come up. Um, but yeah, I'm on all the social media. Just search my name or search my company name. Cool. And cool. yeah, you can link with us. Excellent. Excellent. And uh, and the and the. Uh, the, the network property network meeting in is in Oxford on um, on which which date? So it's the second Thursday of each month. Okay. So the next one is this this Thursday, the fourteenth of September. Yeah. And then next month is the twelfth of October. Um, and it's at the the Oxfordshire Golf Hotel. Really, really beautiful place. Hmm. And it's at six thirty. Cool. Um, if anyone wants to come along, and again, if they link with me, I'll send them a, a, a link for a free ticket. So you can come along and find out a bit more about it completely free of charge. So it won't cost them anything. But yeah, second Thursday of each month, you never know. You can meet your 
business partner or your lifetime partner over there. Fantastic. There you go. Well, um, that's an offer that, that probably many will find hard, difficult to resist. So, uh, <laughs> so, so thanks very much for that. And it's very generous of you to offer, offer, offer a, a free ticket when they, uh, when they come. So brilliant. Well, Sophia, is there anything that you'd like to say um, to, to bring our conversation to a close? Just want to say to anyone, if you're not sure about something, just listen to your gut, have faith. Um, that is going to work and 99.9% of the time it will work just don't jump out of a plane without a parachute <laughs> um, <laughs> but but secondly I want to say a huge thank you David for having me back again a second time to ramble on Brilliant. I really enjoyed it yeah <laughs> me too been awesome thanks so much thank you David thanks for listening to People With Purpose I hope you've enjoyed the show and are enjoying going on this journey Please remember to like and subscribe and give us a five-star review. Uh, tell all your friends. And if you're interested in finding out more about any of the things we've covered in this episode of People With Purpose, just get in touch. All the details are in the show notes. Thanks. Bye. Bye.